Welcome to Season 2 of the Mindful Literacy Podcast with your host, Dr. Jessica Bennett. Our mission is to provide one-on-one and small group literacy tutoring to children with dyslexia or who are at risk for reading failure. One of the driving forces behind creating Mindful Literacy Columbus was a social justice focus. We want to make needed education services accessible to all. The board is in the process of researching social determinants of health, such as family income, access to community-based resources, social support, language and literacy, and access to information. It is our vision to create a center where children can have access to high-quality tutoring, irrespective of family income. In our mind's eye, this center would also be a place where adults can study our written language together and where parents find support. Listener support is paramount to how much we are able to support kids in our community. Thank you so much for your support. Here are three ways you can get involved in Mindful Literacy Columbus. You can share this podcast, and you can like and follow Mindful Literacy Columbus on Facebook and Instagram. Pause this podcast right now and go like and follow before you forget. Our Facebook is mindful.literacy.columbus. Our Instagram is mindful.literacy.cbus. Make sure to share posts to your feed and tag your friends. You can also volunteer. There are four opportunities to volunteer with Mindful Literacy Columbus. Even if you don't live in Columbus, first, you could join the Grant Writers Guild. Writers are needed. Second, you can join our summer camp in August. Counselors are needed. Third, we need volunteers for our first annual conference for kids and grown-ups. Even coordinators are needed. This event will be held in August. Finally, you can volunteer to be a mentor and editor for Beehive Press. We especially need high school and college-age volunteers who enjoy studying English or graphic design. If you would like more information about volunteering, please send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can also email our Director of Impact at Megan, that is M-E-G-H-A-N, at mindfulliteracypractice.org. Thanks again for your support. And we hope you enjoy this episode of the Mindful Literacy Podcast. Delena Green has been teaching for Columbus City Schools as a special education teacher for the past six and a half years. Delena is also the founder of Lena's Learning Circle, a private tutoring company for elementary students where she also makes and sells some really amazing learning boards. She attended Kentucky State University for undergrad, where she received her BA in elementary education, and The Ohio State University for grad school, where she received her MA in special education. It is at OSU that I met Delena, where we worked together as part of a larger team on a federally funded intervention-based research project. It was so delightful to catch up with Delena this week. She shares some of the silver linings of teaching during the era of COVID and also is honest about what has been really hard. 
She offers teachers tips on how to lift students up and meet them where they are. I am so happy that you accepted this invitation to speak with me for several reasons. One is because I haven't talked to you or seen you in so long. And I'm just really excited that we reconnected. Yes, definitely. And then I thank you for just giving me this platform, this opportunity. So I'm excited. And it has been a while. Yeah. So we first met when we were both in grad school. You were a master's student and I was a doc student and we were working on the same project. We were doing active research in the schools. We were in a couple different Columbus City schools and in a charter school. And we were teaching first and second graders reading fluency. That was some work, but I enjoyed it. It definitely prepared me. I would say that for going into the classroom. Oh, that's so great to hear. Uh, So tell us, well, first of all, what I remember about you is you are such a hard worker and just constantly have such a positive attitude. And it was such hard work. You were always like, it's okay. We've got this. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's a great memory to carry of you in my heart. Thank you. You kept us going, though. You kept us going. So <laughs> look, we complimented each other. Yeah, for sure. Um, I so what I remember is, were you a Columbus City School student? Yes, I was. Um, for high school, well, I went second grade. I was at Clarefield, but Clarefield is closed down. And then in high school, from ninth to twelfth grade, I went to Columbus Alternative High School, so also known as Cos. Um, and I actually did drill team for Beechcroft High School. Awesome. I can see that. You're so, you're just like, Delina, you're always smiling. <laughs> okay. Stop, I tried. <laughs> and then you, you got your master's from Ohio State in special education, and you went back to teach for Columbus City. Yes, correct. Um, I would say once I was done, so... It was pretty neat. They had interviews on campus right before I graduated. So I received the job in June, graduated in August. So it was like perfect. Everything worked out. Um, But I started off as a intervention specialist tutor. And I was at um, Windsor in the downtown high school. And then right after that, I landed a job at Whiteland Park Elementary. Awesome. You were definitely an elementary school teacher at heart. Oh, those are my babies. And it was awesome, too, because I'm not sure if you knew Dr. Cartledge, my principal last year, um, worked under Dr. Cartledge. So I've seen her in our building a couple times. So that was pretty sweet getting to see her again and speak with her. Yes, she she is an amazing person. That's awesome that you got to see her again. And I'm sure she was thrilled to see you in the field. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like all the work paid off. Too. Oh, yes. So because I think like, we were her babies. <laughs> <laughs> so we made her proud, made her proud. Um, okay, so your intervention specialist is what year are you in? Um, I've been teaching for six and a half years. Awesome. So. so going strong in elementary. So you're an intervention specialist K through five. So right now I have, it varies depending on our numbers. There were a couple years where I only had first, second, and third grade. 
but kindergarten through third for the majority. So this year and last year I had kindergarten through third graders. But again, it varies on our numbers because this year our, we have in our building, we have a, so I had the primary grades and then there's another intervention specialist that has the intermediate grade. So she sees fourth and fifth grade. That's great. You get to concentrate on a specific age group. Mm-hmm. Okay. So are you doing repeated reading fluency? So with them, with a couple, I am. If they have like the foundation skills, yes. Um, which kind of brings me to with my tutoring um, business that I have, I do use the repeated reading skills and I have seen gains and it's so exciting to already have like that tool in my toolbox. Yeah. So yes, I have been doing that. Um, and I do want to speak to one student I've had. I had him when he was in second grade. He's currently in the fifth grade. And using the repeated reading strategy, in one year, I would see him about three times a week, and the tutoring sessions were only for an hour. It was third grade, because third grade, they were concerned about him not being on grade level. So within that year, we were able to, I was able to help him get back on grade level or above grade level. So it was pretty neat. Yeah, it is. It is for sure my go-to strategy. And it is like, I feel like it's such a good bang for your buck. Just do it like five or 10 minutes, three to five times a week. You can see huge, huge gains within like three, four months. Yep. And I support that wholeheartedly. That's great. That's been, when I went back into the classroom too, I was like, okay, let's get these repeated readings. <laughs> that and um, rocket math for, for math. Uh, math facts was my go-to. <laughs> okay, look, I'm going to put that in my toolbox. So I'm not familiar with rocket math. It's like the the basic math facts for addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. It's kind of like the math version of repeated readings. Okay. It's like hitting your reps in. <laughs> <laughs> but it helps though. It helps. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of reps, so we were kind of chit-chatting before we were recording. And I have to say... So you caught my eye this summer. You turned 30 this year. (laughs) And I was blown away by your glam shots in the gym because, girl, you got so fit (laughs) since the last time I saw you. And you were so inspiring to me. I was like, whoa, Delana, what have you been doing? (laughs) Stop! (laughs) You are silly. So... I have in 2015, so right once I graduated from grad school is when I truly started like working out, got a trainer. And my trainer at the time was like, have you ever thought about competing? And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> not at all. So she was like, I think you should really give it a try. I think you'll be good at it. So in that, it was that summer that I started to train with her. And October is when I started to prep. And with that, like, you're constantly in the gym, like daily, pretty much lifting every day. Um, of course, every day is a certain body part. So Monday may be like upper, um, like your upper body. So your back, shoulders, chest. And another day you may focus on legs and so forth. But literally in the gym, I may have had, I did have one rest day and then cardio. So mixing those two things. And literally for two years, I would say I went for two years straight with that kind of took a break started with a different trainer and then now I'm starting to get back into it again well I mean I think there's a strong correlation right maybe it's just me but I think being an intervention specialist is really stressful 
<laughs> Can you find that? Sometimes, yes. I will say, so you just have to have patience. What I've learned over the years, too, is working with the population that I work with, or I always call them my babies because I'm with them literally, well, every day or we're seeing them, but you have to find the learning strategy that works for them. And you can't come in with assumptions or biases. And I say that because I remember I had one student and this was my second year teaching. And we went through this reading intervention, professional development. And to me, it was with a lot of mnemonics. And I was like, oh my gosh, this doesn't make sense to me, but okay, let's give it a try. And when I tell you this particular little girl, she was in first grade and like struggled with she knew her letter sounds, but she struggled with reading, with sight words, um, all of the above. And when she responded to this intervention, like all of us, myself, the teacher at the time, the principal, like we sent her around the building, like listen to her read. Like, so you truly, so that particular program um, is something that she responded to and literally is just trying to find what works for each particular student and you truly have to have patience because like you said it can be stressful because you are going to have those times too where you don't think the children are making gains and you you really have to figure out what's going to work so it definitely can be stressful at times this episode is brought to you by mindful literacy practice Mindful Literacy Practice is the sister company to Mindful Literacy Columbus. We are a private tutoring and professional development company whose mission is to build a strong learning community that cultivates literacy and mindfulness practices with children, their families, and their teachers. Frequent and consistent tutoring is the key to fluency growth, no matter where your child is on the learning continuum from special education to gifted education and everywhere in between. All elementary kids need to practice oral reading fluency and math facts. Mindful Literacy Practice offers affordable, high-quality, evidence-based methodology combined with precision teaching data tracking in both reading and math. For just 10 minutes a session, three to five days a week, it is not uncommon for us to see fluency rates double in the course of 10 to 12 weeks. Want to improve the speed in which your child can read and or do math facts? Mindful Literacy Fluency Program. Improve what you measure. Practice, measure, improve, repeat. Listeners of this podcast can use code FLUENCY50 for their first registration. MindfulLiteracyPractice.org forward slash fluency forward slash. Well, and I love that you brought it back to finding the strategy that works mm-hmm. for each kid. Because that is like number one for sure. But I was just want. I mean, you're like... You're going into your sixth year or you're halfway through your sixth year and you're going strong still. And we know from the data that there's a lot of attrition in special ed. And so I'm just trying to like look at you as a role model and thinking, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you take really good care of yourself and your body and your mind, like working out so good for your mind. Definitely. Like maybe there's a correlation there between being able to have a full bucket when you go to serve oh Jess you already know um because I mean there was a couple of times I remember in grad school I went to a workout session with you but you definitely at the end of the day you have to take care of yourself and it's going to sound real cliche-ish 
But when people say you can't pour from an empty cup, it's not going to work. So at the end of the day, like I am starting to become more health conscious. I love my Zumba. So if I'm not in a gym, I'm doing Zumba. That's my like go-to. Could have had a horrible day. But at the end of the day, like people that know me know, oh, Delana's going to be in that Zumba class tonight. So that as well as just having a circle of friends um, and colleagues, like because you have to have that support outside of the classroom, too. That has definitely helped. Like because I do I have my circle and we'll talk, we'll vent. But at the end of the day, it's like we uplift and support each other. So I think having that balance spiritually as well, listening to sermons, making sure I start to get devotions in like it's a balance. <laughs> when young teachers go out into the field, they're like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to be the best teacher ever. And then you just get at some point start getting really tired. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. When you said first year teachers, like it did remind me of that first year, especially staying at work for like two hours later every day. And some of the more like the seasoned teachers or the teachers that have been teaching for a while was like, um, Delena, make sure you leave. Don't stay late. But it's like, I need to make sure I get this door. I need to figure this out. So truly, really having that balance and support system, especially your first year, I feel like is important. Yeah, you need people to like go to. It's like, you know, it's all about being efficient. I feel like when you're a seasoned teacher, you know how to be efficient, but you're still figuring that out when you're first starting. So having almost like a coach to help you figure out how to be efficient and find those evidence-based strategies when you're stuck, when your students are stuck is really important. And I will say I did, I have, like in Ohio, we had the PAR program for your first four years. And I would say my um, PAR mentor, she was amazing, amazing. So if I could shout people out, shout out to Erica Jones, um, because she definitely helped get me through. Um, there were even times where I would call her at the school, send her text messages. Um, but yes, that definitely helped as well. Yeah, and I think that's a Columbus City school thing, actually, because I started out teaching in Columbus City, and I remember my PAR mentors. Well, I still have my binder. I was like, like, should I get rid of this? I was just like a few months ago. I'm like, I cannot, I cannot get rid of my PAR binder. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so I just have to tell you, I think it was really brave of you to post, you know, your, hey, I'm 30 pictures, and you are killing it in the gym because I'm going to turn 40 this year. And I was like, you know what? I am going to be years and 40. That's my goal. So I wanted to let you know you inspired me. Oh, well, thank you, Jess. That means a lot. That does. That means a lot. Go for it. You're still breathing. You're on this earth. You got it. Do it. (laughs) So May 11th, I'm going to be tagging you in my birthday post. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Like I said, do it. That's exciting. Please go for it all. Okay. I will. Thank you for that. All right. So I have a few, I have a few questions for you. I just recently did, I I interviewed someone, Jenny Spees, and she is an advocate for students. And she was telling me that she was reading something where the superintendent of Columbus City Schools referred to the students of this class, you know, the class during COVID as the lost class, and that these years are the lost years. And I wondered if you, if you had any reflections on on those adjectives 
since you have your feet on the ground there. Right. I'll say those are now that, to be honest, I haven't heard or read it. Those are some particular choice of words to use. But that to me, I haven't heard of that to my knowledge that that was said by her. Of course, that's not something that I agree with. <laughs> well, yeah, that's just kind of I kind of wanted to know if you feel that way, too, or because that seems like it would be hard to keep the morale up if that was your perspective day in and day out. Correct. But no, that's definitely not my perspective. If you I mean, just given the pandemic, it's a change for everybody. Literally, everybody's trying to figure life out, what's going to work, what's not going to work. And I feel like when you think about the amount of responsibility that she has with a largest school district in Ohio, they're just certain every decision made is not going to be something that everybody agrees with. You're going to have people that disagree. You're going to have people that agree. You're going to have people that's going to fight back and so forth. I feel like I don't know, there's been a lot of changes. And just within this year, you pretty much just have to, it's almost just like being re, being flexible, understanding, and then the support. Because I even I spoke with my principal in regards to just like teaching and my students and parents. And this has been a year where I've been able to connect with parents the most because it's literally, to, it's going to take us all for our students to progress, for us to make it, because we're all in a situation that we're unfamiliar with. So we have to learn how to navigate this new life with everyday changes. Like, because of course, I'm, they're facing something family-wise, students, that I may not be facing. But again, I still have my struggles and issues too. So at the end of the day, I do not feel like this is a lost class. This is a class where you really have to be innovative, to be honest to figure things out and to be able to move throughout the year in order to be successful. It sounds like the silver lining is that you have been able to collaborate more deeply with parents. Yes. And have a greater understanding of some things that may be going on. Um, if they need assistance with something, they're emailing me. Of course we have like class dojo. I give out my phone number. So my parents have, um, are able to text me. They're able to call. But yes, it's been easier to connect and communicate and collaborate with parents this year, too. I think that's a really beautiful thing. It, it, it is, to be honest, um, because there's sometimes, too, where I receive texts after school hours. <laughs> all right, wait. But I mean, that's their life. They may be working all day. And then that's the time that's convenient for them. So just having that understanding. And I feel like being honestly a little bit more transparent too, because be, since class we're teaching Zoom, so we see the parents more. And there's been times during sessions where we've talked like, I have my struggles, like they'll tell me about theirs and it's like, we just gonna make it through. And it's like, yes, we will. I just need you to continue meeting me halfway at the end of the day, to be honest. So it takes a lot, but it, it has been beneficial. I love your outlook and seeing the challenge as an as an opportunity. Right. And it's take it has taken some time. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, because in the beginning, but you literally have to sit back, reflect, and you have to pull out the positive. Cause if you're constantly thinking about the negative, the things that's going wrong, that's stressful. And that's a lot. And I mean that can take you down. So I mean, we have what, six, 
five more months that we have to get through. So yeah, it helps. And we've almost done, we're coming up on our year mark. So we can do it. Yes, definitely. That's what I'm like. We, we can make it through. We got five more months. Let's do it. <laughs> have you noticed that you've had students who are more chronically absent? I have a couple. Okay. The majority of my students, though, they're on pretty much like their attendance is. They're on just about every single day. As I do have a couple who struggle with their attendance. Okay. Um, but the majority of my caseload, they're pretty much present throughout the week. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you were saying there's like 67% chronic absent rate in Columbus City Schools right now. So I was wondering if that affected you, but it sounds like it doesn't. So that's great. No, I would say with that too, it's just different with the, uh, the way the attendance is tracked this year. So I honestly wonder how accurate it is. But yeah, no, my students from what yeah I've seen, they're pretty much on every day. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Cats, Prior, and Decuccio. Cats, Prior, and Decuccio are experienced Columbus attorneys focusing in real estate, business, and probate law. Find them and schedule a free consultation at kpdfirm.com. So you mentioned that it was really rough in the beginning. What do you think was the hardest thing? Let's like think back to March. Mm-hmm. You know, when the earth kind of crumbled out from, from underneath her. <laughs> Since March. For me personally, because, so I live by myself and I am a people person. So just the total 180 change in life is what I want to say. That's what affected me the most. So you have to think. So I live at home. It's just me. Don't have any pets, any kids or anything. So my day literally consisted of being around people. I woke up at 5 a.m. I was around people training at the gym. I left the gym. I was at work. I left work. I was tutoring at the library. I left the library. I was in Zumba. So my literally my day-to-day routine was surrounded by people and interacting and speaking and talking. And when COVID hit, it was just like I realized how much... I was never at home and how much my life was centered around being around people. So that was a huge adjustment for me. Um, Because like I said, I'm outgoing. I like being around people. I thrive off of that. So I had to figure out different ways to navigate almost pretty much navigate life um, to keep me going. So that, cause I will say too, this has been, an emotional year for me, to be honest, um, just because of the changes. But again, having to think about those different ways to help. So like a lot of like the fitness classes is virtual. Tutoring is now virtual. So making those changes, adapting to them and then continuing to proceed. Yeah, it's been a lot. (laughs) So I think that was the biggest thing, though, not being able to be around people. That is a huge change. I can't imagine. Well, and then, and you guys in Columbus City have been virtual since, since March, right? You haven't been back at all? Correct. Nope. We, the teachers actually went in for a couple of weeks and we were going to um, prepare to go back, but then numbers began to rise and then that's when we ended up back at home. So we were all virtual without being in the building. 
okay, we're going back. No, we're not. Like, what has been the hardest thing since August, since going back to school in the fall? The hardest thing, the so the constant changes. So again, it's just like having to be aware that this may change one day. This may not be the same the next. So adapting to, because of course, like teaching, we're used to being flexible from one day to the next, especially dealing with children and just how they come into the building and so forth. But I think this year there has been so many changes that are just like unpredicted. <laughs> so going along with that and then just the virtual platform. So learning how to teach virtually and then, of course, the different things that come along with that. So like Internet connections, computers not working and then different programs as well. So this year we have a different reading program. We have another math program. So learning how to utilize those new programs that the district has trained us in and provided as well as learning to teach virtually. It's a lot. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot. I have so much respect and admiration for you and all teachers. It is not what anybody signed up for, but you're doing a really good job. Correct. Thank you. Well, so we're trying and it's wild because you do like in the beginning, you would see people say how teachers aren't working. They are doing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, no, we truly are. Like, I almost feel like it's more work because it's almost like you're utilizing a totally different system than what you're used to. Like I've spoken to my colleagues and it's a few of us that are like, we feel like first year teachers all over again. Because you are learning a new system. You're learning how to have classroom management virtually versus in the classroom. Like, and there's so many different factors that you don't think about that could affect your teaching virtually as well. So you have to learn how to manage it. Yeah. And you're going to be an expert in so many things come May. Let's claim it. (laughs) I'll claim that. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, make sure you put all of these things down on your curriculum vita. <laughs> okay, look. <laughs> um, okay, so what are some of your wishes or one big wish you have as an intervention specialist? One big wish. Related to teaching? Sure. Is that true? Okay. Anything could be related to children, teaching. If I had one wish... I would say students that are identified as having a disability for people, and honestly, my colleagues do a good job is this too, not to still allow them to, to push them in the classroom, number one. So don't use, not to use their disability as a crutch. That's one. And for them to know they can still like succeed. It may not be the same route another student takes, and that's with anybody, but for them to know that they can still make it. But I also think, just systematically too, I think, or like politically, because so the way everything is made up, in this part, I'm not going to lie, you may have to edit. So I see my kids, we have this amount of time that I have to pull them, I have to see them for certain subjects. So maybe math, reading, writing, whatever subject may be deemed like, their dis- due to their disability, they need to receive services in X, Y, and Z. If there was a way, I'm trying to think and trying to figure out how to word this. Like there are some times, like I told you, like patience number one is key because I may, some, there are times where I feel like it may be a disservice 
when working with them because there are a lot of times too I feel like like if I had them for more time or if I was able to do x y and z and it does feel like that and I think too so I think of students that I've had when I first started teaching and even just like the I feel like there's a piece that's missing because I think about the academic like the growth gap that I start to realize that some of the children that I service have when you kind of look at them and you see where other students are in their grade. And it's like, I feel like there's something that's missing to be able to either work with them to get them closer to the grade level. I just think how the system is made up is not really conducive to their learning in a sense. I actually think it's very validating to hear you say that because I have said the same thing <laughs> in different words, but I would, I would, mm-hmm constantly have these philosophical discussions with other teachers, with parents, and be like, the system is just not set up for optimal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's just not optimal. Like we're just kind of barely keeping our heads above water. Correct. And then sometimes we're just moving them through and I'm just like, no, like I either need more time or I don't know. This there, I mean, that's real what you just said. And that is something that I connect with because I have had those conversations with my colleagues and different teachers. It was like, only if I had them for X amount of more time or if we could somehow, I don't know, I just feel like there's something that's missing. Yeah, and I think going back to what you said before in in the day-to-day of you trying to figure out the strategy that works for them and then you have to execute it, you know? Correct, yep. Data on it. And report the data. And, you know, so it, it it requires so many different tools and knowledge and time and patience, as you said. And for me, I always had all the patience in the world for my students. And where I was really impatient with the system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's real. It is. Because I don't think they realize. Well. I don't think they realize, but (laughs) it's just like there's so many different factors. I'll say that, especially in the school setting. And that could be dealing with behaviors or just whatever the day brings at the time that may interfere as well. So we're dealing with little people who have big feelings and sometimes they have bad days or bad weeks. Yep. And that's real. And then that's a whole nother level of teaching because Again, that's when we have to, number one, check ourselves, but we also have to talk to them, too, about identifying those feelings, what are certain things that they can do when they're feeling that way, and just replacing, like, to acknowledge them. Number one, let them know, like, it's it's fine. I understand you're having a bad day. That's cool. I'm human, too. I'm going to have my day. But these are certain things that you can do that can help and fill in their toolbox up. That's something else. To work with to work on or that you know that's a that comes with teaching make sure to save the day for two fun events in 2021 in partnership with the final third foundation mindful literacy columbus presents 2021 summer writing camp kids entering third to seventh grade will have the opportunity to be a part of this investive writing camp Save the date for this week of August 8th. 
Email Megan at mindfulliteracypractice.org for more information. Make sure to mention that you heard about this camp from the podcast and enter a drawing to win 50% of the camp tuition. First Annual Mindful Literacy Columbus Conference for Kids and Their Grown-Ups. After this conclusion of the writing camp, we will hold a community celebration. This will include kids showcasing their work, art, music, yoga, food, and high-quality professional presentations for both teachers and parents. Teachers will have the opportunity to learn CEUs. The conference, which will be held on Saturday, August 15, 2021, will serve as a fundraiser for a non-profit organization. We will also currently accepting presentation proposals from teachers and professionals in the community. Please email Stacey, S-T-A-C-E-Y, at Stacey at MindfulLearnersWhoPractice.org. To receive more information about the conference and or the submit of a presentation proposal. Okay, so I want you to think about some of your wins. Tell me what your biggest win is or your most recent win or your favorite win as a teacher. I will go back to the relationships that I build with the students. Because being an intervention specialist as well, I'm not in just one classroom. And then, of course, having duties. So when we were in the building, I would help out with morning duties. So I would literally see kids, all students, uh, we all, they all would meet in the gym after breakfast. It was myself and another teacher in there with them. But literally every day we had students in there from first to fifth grade. And then, of course, like I have students in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and third grade. So I'm constantly in and out of different classrooms. So I'm able to meet more students. I'm able to see more students, engage with more. So I would say, honestly, the relationships that I've built with students since I've been at Wyland Park, like that has been a plus for me. Because again, too, you run into those students too, who some teachers may have issues with, but it's just like, okay, come on, come on. You're going to come with me for a little bit. <laughs> like, just take a break and then we'll bring you back once you're good. So I would say the biggest highlight of teaching would be the relationships that I'm able to build with my students. I love it. And I'm thinking, too, when you first started at Wyland Park, if you were interacting with kids K through five, I mean, Zelina, some of these kids are in 11th and 12th grade right now. I know. And we did like this year, we were sitting back just reflecting. And yes, like we have a few there in high school. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like our babies are, they're growing up. <laughs> Wild, right? It is. It is like time is flying. <laughs> and in your mind, they're still that age they were when you, when they left. Correct. <laughs> Correct. It's like, if I see you, I don't know how I'm going to respond. Like, Shoot, I'm pretty sure I'll notice you, but like, oh my gosh. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your tutoring business. Okay, so I started it back in 2017. So before I actually registered and did all this legal stuff to set up the business, I had a couple of friends that had reached out to me to help with their students in reading. And based off that, it started to grow word of mouth. And then I did have a couple people reach out to me and they would come to my house and I would tutor their kids. And so I started after doing that. I that's when I started Lena's Learning Circle. So that's a tutoring business for grades kindergarten through fifth grade. 
and I tutor subjects math, reading, and writing. But that was what kind of got me going is when I had friends that started to reach out to me who had children that were either starting school. I remember one particular friend, her daughter was in third grade at the time. So she needed help with preparing for the third grade reading guarantee. So it's been going pretty strong. Um, The pandemic hit and had to make a few changes. (laughs) But I would say it's been going pretty strong now since 2017. I love it. It's awesome. And I've seen some of them. You like you have products too, don't you? I'm sorry, I started the learning boards, which was after the pan- or during the pandemic. I had someone that reached out to me and they were like, hey, do you do those learning boards? And I was like, to be honest, I haven't. But if you want, like she wasn't, she had an idea of what she wanted for her daughter. And I was like, okay. Let's see, I gave her some options. Like if you did a reading board, we can do a reading board, we can do a math board. Here are some things that are um, particular to your daughter's grade. And she selected them, got them started. And that's pretty much what got me going. It took off. It's slowing down a little bit now. But yes, I have the learning boards and they're geared towards, they're individualized per student. So I've done learning boards for students in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. And it just depends on what the student needs. And that's what's reflected on the board. Do you have, where can I see these boards? Do you have them up somewhere? I do. I have them on all of my platforms, honestly. So on my website, lanaslearningcircle.com, you can see the boards there on Facebook under Lana's Learning Circle and on Instagram under the same name, Lana's Learning Circle. And I have pictures of the board. I can't wait to check these out. I saw one of them a while, like in in the summer, I think. And did you do one in Spanish? No, but I did a Spanish binder. So that is an option with a few things like numbers, colors. And I'll have a binder that I put together that may have been what you've seen with those such things in a binder. Delina, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy to reconnect with you. I'll say this is awesome. I'll say thank you. I'm trying for real. I am. Yeah. I'm trying to help however I can. Like at the end of the day, like I'm truly passionate about working with our youth. So whichever direction God pulls me in, like I'm all for it. Great. Well, I feel like you know, like when we were in grad school, and I, I probably just stopped recording at this point. <laughs> you are fine. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Mindful Literacy Podcast. May you be inspired, energized, and share this love with those in your care. We are also grateful to have you as a part of our community. If you are enjoying the content in this podcast, please share this with your friends and colleagues. Subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Please also take a moment to connect with us on Facebook, mindful.literacy.columbus, and on Instagram, mindful.literacy.cbus. We want to hear from you. What topics do you want to uncover next? Who is doing these amazing things on the field of education that we should be talking about in season three? Until next time, may you be happy, healthy, and at peace. Before we wrap things up, we want to mention one more way from anywhere in the world that you and your students can get involved with Mindful Literacy 
Columbus. For just $25 a month, you can become a patron member of Mindful Literacy Columbus. Yes, that's right. For less than the cost of a latte a week, you will become a champion for child literacy. And you will have the opportunity to give directly back to kids in two ways. First, dues enable staff to grant write, fundraise, and build organizational awareness. Second, patron members are invited to contribute monthly to our publishing house, Beehive Press. The books that your students will curate will then be sold to generate even more scholarship money for your students. Beehive Press is an imprint of Mindful Literacy Columbus. Here is what patron members will get for their $25 per month. Submit one book by kids or kids for Beehive Press per month. Receive video lesson plans on how to engage kids in the writing process and PDF graphic organizers to help with the pre-writing process. It includes help with book layout, one-to-one final editing session, marketing, sales, and logistics of the book. Receive the proof of the book for free. It includes copyright and ISBN number. Each published book that is sold gives back to MLC. 50% goes to scholarships, 50% goes to the authors. To become a patron member, go to mindfulliteracypractice.org slash donate.